The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. FM with yours truly, Neville James. Today is Friday, October the 6th. And we got uh, the Energy Office Director, Mr. Kyle Fleming, uh, live and direct here in the studio. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Neville? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We, we spoke with the weather service yesterday, so we got that out the way for the weekend. So we got clear. Uh, you couldn't have picked a more perfect Friday to come. <laughs> In the studio here, giving all up and with and your chairmanship of the, the governor, uh, the Water Power Authority, uh, governing board. We 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 in a bad a bad window at the Water Power Authority. Well, I'll say I think I think these last four years have, have put me in a, a consistent hot seat. So I get I understand the reality. It's definitely, but mm-hmm. we're, we're here for it. One of my listeners done. Text me from all he said. Then want hear nothing until the watch sellers there line. That's that's where you come to, and uh, that's not good though. You know what I'm saying? But well, I mean, the, the, I think there's more. Uh, we, we've got several, some positive touch points on that to to get to uh, today as well. I know. Um, I believe is. Uh, I think we have uh, Chanel and Andy joining as well too. Well, if they're joining, I ain't got a problem with that. You know what I mean? But uh, all I know is that. The, the public the public is 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 hurt I'm gonna be very honest with you last week Friday um the concern was a rotation schedule I had in St Thomas and St John uh, then I heard uh it's either last week Friday or the Friday before it was the Friday before before because yeah. I had on uh, Mr Mark Weiner he's the economist and uh, he was saying that everything that we're dealing with here as it relates to our economy is uh centered around uh the water and power authority and and then the next day i heard uh, uh miss peterson uh on um abdul ali and she 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 had gotten a text message during that appearance saying that um the rotation schedule was over everything mm-hmm. was back online and then uh of course philippe was hanging around here for the better part of 10 days or at least in the region, and then uh, he rolled through here Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever, and then create some some more problems. So, feet of fifteen was a problem. Uh, it was actually uh, feet. Well, the original feeder that had issues from two weeks ago was uh, is actually feeder thirteen. No, I'm talking about the one for Wednesday that that caused this cascading effect that created the power outage in St. Thomas yesterday. At one twenty in the morning, that was feed of fifteen. Unit, unit, unit fifteen. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and, and that's. I think that there's. I think that's one. I know. I know. Typically, the um, you know, the 
whenever there's an issue or disruption, uh, you know, kind of the WAPA as a whole gets kind of lumped into that. But there's all there's always discrete situations, some are transmission related, like we talked about um, relative to the transmission line repair two weeks ago. Uh, there's been a mix of uh, generation and uh, transmission issues, the transmission issues for, from the Philippe um, and then the generation issues uh, from, you know, what one of the things we come to expect, the, uh, you know, our aged, our aged units uh, will present problems. And it's one of the reasons why I think you referenced the Wardzilla project uh, and how, how important it is to get those online. Uh, and that's, that's one of the primary uh, drivers for uh, bringing new generation in is because uh, to try to mitigate some of the resiliency challenges we'll have with 30, 40 plus year uh, units. And I think that this week, as, as uncomfortable and as you know, inconvenient of another issue that had to be experienced, um, that that ability to leverage the word Zillas actually was instrumental in um, being able to re-energize St. Thomas on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, you divulge some information here, so let me get out of the way and let you uh, continue to enlighten the public. What's the deal with the Watsillas right now? So we actually had, uh, and that's why I was, didn't want to take the, the fire for the Wapatine because I wanted to make sure that they could hit on it as well too, mm-hmm. but we, we, we were able to uh, leverage the Wardzillas um, to re-energize uh, after Unit 15. When oh, yeah? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. I can on that if that's the case. Then the, 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 certainly, certainly to the to the entire we're, team. We're, we're, we're not giving away everything because you're still going through some initial phase debugging. I would assume, knowing how you know, circuitry and all that stuff to work. Um, but um, in doing so, was there any level of I don't want to say relief, but good feelings with 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 the WAPA leadership? Absolutely. I mean, I think that you know, there's there's certain situations that uh, you plan for, but the reality in the energy industry, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to be unplanned, um, and that's where preparedness is always kind of at the, the front line of the discussion. Um, and we, we from the board standpoint, we look at the, the team being uh, all of the work we've talked about towards the project for years on this, mm-hmm. on this show, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that's been a, a constant point of discussion, knowing that you know, the, the resiliency and efficiency improvements that uh, we expect uh, those systems to bring on, and you know, we had an instance this week that the the progress that has been made in bringing those systems to uh, you know final commissioning state had advanced to a point where uh, they could be leveraged in, uh, in in the emergency situation that transpired on, on Wednesday. Why did Tom leverage? Leverage? Yeah. <laughs> why that Tom? Well, because it, when you when you have a, when you have a resource available to you, yeah. you, you the way you maximize it is by yeah. leveraging it, and so it was yeah. a resource that was available to us. That so, was so what the watchers were some a form of collateral that that, that we access. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you want to work up the tree from the the, the unit assets being procured with federal resources, and <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is this is English. This is English only on a Friday morning. Um. So, uh. How many how many units we leverage? Uh, so of the of the seven, well, so of the new uh, fleet of, uh, of four generators, I think we we had three of them online in conjunction with the original fleet of Wardzillas that were there. Okay, okay. How many fleet? Uh, how many Wardzillas do we have in total? Seven. Seven, and and they will have the ability on their own 
to energize the entire district? Well, see, that's, that's actually been one of the key things that of, of the new the new fleet of, of Wardzilla's, both the, the new fleet of Wardzilla's and the, the battery energy storage uh, allows for uh, black start uh, re-energization, and which is one of the challenges, right? We, we have to have station power to be able to bring up all the generators, and mm-hmm. some generators are able to do that. Or like Unit 15 you mentioned is, is a unit that is capable of providing black start uh, re-energization if, when the entire uh, uh, generation fleet goes down. Um, Unit 27 was not. And so being able to utilize the, uh, the Black Star capabilities of the Wardzilla is a key enabler for us when, if in the event that, you know, system trips, whatever, for all the reasons why a system can go down, having a immediate dispatchable uh, resource in the Wardzilla uh, new fleet to be able to bring the system back up is, is key in, in cutting down the restoration time. Um, so definitely, we talk about a success, a definitely a win. The battery system, the battery energy storage system, which is still working through its final phases of commissioning, also has black start capability, which is, an, again, so now we're having multiple resources available to us to uh, bring power back online. Again, all of this works to cutting down restoration time, decreasing the disruption to the communities, the families, the businesses. Um, disruption the potential we're talking about. Uh, this, well, it, it also it also addresses the disruption potential, but then it also again reduce if when the disruptions do occur because mm-hmm. at the end of the day disruptions are going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So the question really, our key thing is how 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 fast can the response to those uh, disruptions be made and be executed? And that's the, these assets create again multiple forms of redundancy to or multiple forms of um, of access to being able to shorten that restoration time. What about what about unit fifteen? Uh, so re- re- repairs repairs will be done, and we'll have uh, an out of commission now as we speak. Uh, as of right, as, as of this moment, yes. So the the the, the failure mode um, is being corrected, and mm-hmm. once once completed, it'll be uh, back into the the general dispatch. Thanks, very good. So we are currently uh, in the in the Wartzilla era, Wartzilla energizing era of the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority. We're, we are we are we are beginning and. and to, to be to be in the same fancy, yeah. fancy, but uh, uh, and and not fully dependent on it is what you're saying. Right? Yeah, because there's still again like this, and and to be clear as well, this this wasn't the first the first fire. I mean, we've talked about it at the at the board level that um, at, you know in, in our in our public board meetings um, that the commissioning has had begun in terms of bringing units on, testing, see, you know, running them, but not not dispatching the entire fleet continuously so mm-hmm. there's been a lot of incremental so this wasn't the first time hey fire it up and see what happens it wasn't in that in that type of configuration whatsoever um we've been the, the commissioning process is there's incremental testing and manufacturers representation here as we're going through this so we're not you know going through this learning curve uh, in a silo, which I think is very helpful, as we're you know bringing our team up to speed with the uh, you know the nuance of, of this new system as well. So, it's but we're certainly making meaningful strides towards uh, a project that we've discussed versus a project that's going to be uh, implemented and the, the benefits being realized throughout the community. What's the fuel source for the Watchers? Uh, right now, they are on diesel, which has always been the intent for mm-hmm. the, their initial uh, initial fire, initial dispatch. 
is going to be diesel with the transition to propane coming. Um, we can get kind of a, a timeline specific on that, but we'll be transitioning them to propane. When, when will we, um, now that we've you know, made this commitment, I believe this is what, at least four or five years in the making, right? When are we going to, and I'm going to get to the St. John situation a little bit, when, when are we going to um, genuinely, I ain't going to say fully, genuinely commit to alternative uh, energy sources for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority? Or is the, the Water and Power Authority going to be the fossil fuel uh, generated uh, uh, units and alternative energy is for the consumer? Uh, so th- I think that you, uh, you could have asked a better question at a better time. Well, this is analyze this. Yeah. So, 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 so my, my job is to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I want the public to be as low on it as possible. You check because, uh, you know, Ronnie Russell, myself, Doug Cole, uh, Rocky Laybord, uh, all the, my, list, my listeners, my, 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 my loyal audience. This is, you know, the gorilla in the room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and if this, if we could fix this, this opens up so many avenues. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I get excited talking about the positive potentials as it relates to our energy deal because it's been two decades. You've been in high school. No, you graduated 2006. 2006. You've been in eight, nine, no, nine, nine, ten grade when this thing started. When, when the acronym LIAC became like our, our, mm-hmm. our, our cousin we didn't want in a house that wouldn't leave. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I, I and. As long ago as that was, my, my memory of it is, is not far off because that's been my my driver in terms of how I've aligned my professional career has been based on what I saw as the challenges that this community was facing from the time I was in middle school. I, yeah, high school. Man. And yeah. so try, trying to be in a position of impact that's clearly meaningful to the community has always been the key. And, you know, it's, that's why, honestly, this when, you, when I say you, asked a, you could have asked that question at a better time because genuinely at this point, we have, we're in such a advantageous position to start making this transition on a much broader scale. So we look at this, when we talk about the generation that's going in now, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we need a we need a strong backbone for any energy transition. And as, as we bring renewables <laughs> into the mix, as you know, we've, we've already touched on, uh, you know, a number of the uh, large scale utility PPAs, solar PPAs that have been uh, you know approved earlier this year. Um, but that's, you know, that's one piece of the pie. I think the the difference is you you ask whether or not the utility is going to be f- fuel and the community is going to be renewable. I, I I don't think that there's a reality that that is like a delineation because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, energy is a service and we, as as a utility we should be positioning ourselves to provide energy services whether that comes in the form of you know f- firm generation or renewables. And there's so many, there's so many more options at our disposal now. We're getting the, the type of federal funding opportunities that we have available to us that push the envelope. Of this, this is it, man. You just you just hit the nail on the head there. You know what I'm saying? You, you're talking about a window that we don't know when, if, and when it it will exist again. It, it, it's unprecedented. Unprecedented. Um, That's the word. We, we, we're currently, you know, my, my, my agency, we're currently going after a $100 million solar for all grant out of the Environmental Protection Agency, which usually isn't tied, EPA isn't usually tied to, um, you know, solar deployments. But in under the, the Biden administration, we're seeing federal agencies be infused with resources specifically for enabling a clean tech 
alternative energy transition. So mm-hmm. you're seeing you're seeing federal dollars go towards Department of Transportation to accelerate EV adoption. You're seeing these dollars go towards EPA for reducing greenhouse gases through deploying solar um, and uh, solar energy storage at scale. Uh, and the Virgin Islands, just like every other you know, state, territory, local government across the U.S., jurisdiction. We, we have we have access. We have we have access to the resource, and we're we're pursuing them aggressively. I think what we've talked about a lot is we we've had a lot of projects tied to the recovery, um, and we're still pursuing those. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of the things we, what we see with these new set of funding coming through is is how much more liquid and how much more you know how quickly how much more easily mobilized to the shovel ready projects a mm-hmm. lot of this new federal funding is and so i think the uh, there's well, no, well, uh, what we call, i i think what we need more than anything else right as it relates to the consciousness of the people is that we could talk recovery right uh, we need recovery but in reality, what we ultimately want is sustainability yeah. and affordability and efficiency, right? Recovery, recovery. I mean, we've been talking recovery as it relates to energy long before the hurricane have hit. Mm-hmm. Do you So we need, we need something that works for everybody. And there's an education component that I believe is not um, highlighted enough uh, because... When I, you know, speak about alternatives and renewables, whichever one is uh, uh, appropriate, right? I'm always mindful of, well, what about the Water and Power Authority? Not the authority uh, as an entity, but its ability to continue to provide economic opportunities for people who work in it. Mm-hmm. Because more people doing renewables, more people doing alternative forms of energy, that's less revenue for the water and power authority. That's just how the math works. And, and it's in the current format, yes. And that's why when when I talk about you know looking at the the energy as a service, at the end of the day, and and we and, and we we need the energy the energy uh, distributor, the water and power authority, to be at least net zero. You but, know what I'm saying? And the, the thing is that there's a, I think that we when we look at when we look at the enabling mechanisms, which we can talk more about on, on the break. Mm-hmm. I see that. The transition that we're looking at is not one where those distributed resources become a loss to the authority. They all play into actually improving the services that the utility provides. But we still need to you know, also keep in mind um, the, the, the authority isn't just about providing energy. It's also an economic revenue stream from an income standpoint. We'll take a break. Be back right after this. Forum, a nonprofit organization since 1996, is proud to present the Kevin Jansen Piano Trio to kick off our 2023-2024 season. Saturday, October 7 at 8 p.m. in the Prior Jolic Hall on Antilles campus. This young piano trio from the Juilliard School will be presenting the work of Franz Joseph Hayden, Dimitri Sostakovich, and Franz Schubert. The courtyard opens an hour before the event with small meals and desserts by Amalia Cafe. Ticket sales online at www.theforumusvi.org 
or 646-725-3353 or email theforumusvi at gmail.com. How do we know words? How do we accumulate words? Writer Edna O'Brien. Are they there in us before we know them? She follows a quest many writers can understand. As if these words were the generators of some kind of magic. Authors, artists, sports, news, and maybe even some magic. Every Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com Member FDIC. I went back here uh, and I laid this. I'm uh, talking with the uh, Energy Office Director, um, uh, Kyle Fleming for Mavis. Good. Mm-hmm. You got and, it. Uh, <laughs> he also Shout out, Mums. He also, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he also serves as the chairman of the uh, the governing board for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority. And uh, uh, as a result of uh, some incidents, um, some of the new infrastructure um, has been leveraged. That's the term we're using, right? And uh, it is allowing for us to exist uh, as a people. Um, <clears throat> we're talking economics. We can't ignore politics, um, Mr. Energy Office Director. Uh, just under a year ago, we were targeted by um, four members of Congress talking about wasting right money. Right, they were claiming that a seventy-five million dollar grant from HUD. Right, money meant to get new power generators online after the hurricanes of 2017. They were suggesting that it had been wasted. Byron Donalds uh, from Florida, Michael Cloud from Texas, Bob Gibbs from Ohio, and Glenn Grothman from Wisconsin felt inclined to sign on to a letter um, uh, to HUD asking them, uh, the Inspector General for that agency, mm -hmm. to look into this. Right, clearly somebody from the Virgin Islands felt inclined to reach out to them, right? And target us. And of course, uh, the, the Virgin Islands delegate to Congress, Stacey Plaskett, with her high profile role in the um, impeachment, right? Of mm -hmm. the president in the aftermath of January 6th and all that uh, made us a target. Because, um, you know, payback is, that's a, that's a reality in politics, right? That's a um, so somebody felt inclined to reach out to them, right? So whoever that rat was, you know, I hope you get the cheese you're looking for. And more than likely, it's a local rat, too. Uh, but I, I, I'll, I'll say this based on, like, 
you know, we, we talk about things being stirred, at, especially at the federal level in that way. Mm-hmm. I could assure you from from the energy office standpoint, ju- just from from a, from any, any energy related federal activity. Mm-hmm. None of those either attempts to, um, you know, try to compromise or try to shine a, a negative light has compromised our access to extremely impactful federal resources. I mean, our, our, I'm aware of that the, yeah. the, the point that I was making was. This was superficial. Yeah. I'm saying? Because uh, whatever purpose they were intending to serve, uh, and I guess this was when they were anticipating a a red tsunami that never materialized Mm -hmm. to a red trickle. And uh, they they did gain the house, but barely. And now they're dealing with some Mm -hmm. recent embarrassment, and the Senate remained the same. Here is what uh, I'm thinking about. And this is something Rocky labeled. Had mentioned. We speak about this generational window, right? We also have a access to pro Virgin Islands window with the current president being in in the White House. Mm-hmm. He is a friend of the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's up for re-election. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, what have you, right? But we know that. Um, you know, God willing, he's good for at least another 14 plus months, right? Uh, shouldn't we, right, uh, as a insular possession, along with your friend them from Guam and America and Samoa, CNMI and Puerto Rico, which is a little different because they're not an interior, probably an interior entity. Shouldn't we now be leveraging, since that's the word for today, <laughs> right, this friendship, <clears throat> Right, this association, this love affair that the president has with the Virgin Islands to get even more or get, get just about everything we need and and bringing in our family, our brothers and sisters from the uh the Pacific uh, uh possessions along with Puerto Rico, so that at least if in if in, if uh scenarios play out where the current president is no longer the president. At least we lock in some things long-term, not just cash, but long-term commitments going forward. Uh, so I think you are, uh, I think you're touching on, on a key point. I, I'd be remiss if I said, I, I don't think that that's not happening right now. Okay. That That is 100%, like we are 100% leveraging the the priority that is being mm-hmm. placed on us. Yeah, but when you're talking about grant money, okay, you give us sixty, you give us eighty, you give us a hundred million. I want technical support, long term things of this nature because that's how energy works. Well, the, the good thing is, I'll, I'll say this: when I started in this this job, we were under, we we're still under the the Trump administration Correct. right during that time. Correct. And I, I'll say from a from a technical assistance standpoint. That's not something that we've. And technical assistance is a really broad term. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've come to better grasp exactly from at least in my lane what technical assistance means and i could say when when i started there was access to technical assistance that under the transmission that I, I don't see we're us losing that i think i think what is most what is significantly different where the disparity really is is in the actual resources because the, the technical assistance has, has been there and i think will continue to be there mm-hmm. the the actual funding resources to take because the thing at the end of the day the tell us the technical assistance can tell you what to do without the resources to actually implement. And that's where we've, we've definitely been in under this administration, under the, the Biden administration. The implementation resources have been 
exponential. I mean, my, my agency last year, we have, we had maybe $2.2 million of federal resources to manage. This year alone, we would have, we're going to, at the end of this year, we would have applied for over $150 million wow. easily. We've already wow. been granted over six million. We actually just got. But, a f- but, but, but that was a, that's a man. That's a, that's an administration mandate though. Cause, cause the president, even though he is averse to fossil fuel, uh, he, he is pro infrastructure commitment and development. Absolutely. And so we're, and we're, and we're seeing, re- and that's where we're seeing these resources come in a lot of different areas. It's not all for solar. That's why we see so much coming in form for electric vehicles, electric vehicle infrastructure. You're seeing it in terms of a lot of you talk about kind of the, the planning, right, and support with mm-hmm. that kind of technical assistance. You know, one of the activities that we're going to be conducting, so Puerto Rico recently did uh, a Puerto Rico 100. It was their grid resilience and transition to 100% renewables plan. That's something that the DOE funded and supported in terms of, like, technical assistance um, through the uh, DOE. The energy houses are going to be seeking out a same, a similar activity, similar exercise in, in charting kind of our transitional path. Because, you know, what, what we've talked about so much, so and again, even going back to the words of this, this is all foundation. This is what we talk about when we're saying, okay, we can't we can't be picking the, the curtains in the kitchen before we have our cistern in place, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this. While we've had infrastructure there, <laughs> we 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 clearly have needed to rebuild our foundation because without that foundation. All of the the, the, the innovations will ne- we'll never be able to to maximize um, the potential of, of the innovations mm-hmm. if our foundation isn't firm. So that's the the, the, the push for the for the Wardzillas to getting the generations tight. That's not to say okay, this is what we're committing to. It's a it's a necessary part of the transition is having that foundation. And as we layer out, as we leverage more and more of these federal resources to layer in the alternative energy uh, innovations. The the value of those innovations again are going to be, be far more easily realized community wide once we establish this foundation. So it's it's a it's a it's a mixed approach. It's not one or the other. This is how the process evolves. We build a foundation, and once that foundation is firm, we continue to to build the rest of the the energy house here in the territory. You you inherited the the Wachella commitment and Saint Thomas and the Agreco. Lease agreement and synchro. Yeah, you inherited that. Mm-hmm. Have they explained why we went the two different routes in the in the in, in the two different districts? Yeah. So so re- really easy kind of explanation there. The you know Wardzilla is a permanent is a permanent power um, installation and, and infrastructure project. The Agreco's the Agreco by design is a is a temporary uh, and transitional project. So that's that's never intended to be. A long-term, um, a long-term fix. They, those are deployable. Agreco's business model is they come, they go in and they deploy, you know, short-term, you know, maybe multi-year, but, but short-term solution. Okay, so, okay, so that yeah, it's yeah, never, it was never intended to be a firm and, and final solution. Okay, okay, okay. I yeah. understand my part. Yeah. So, so what about the uh, the the potential permanent solution? Solution. Hold on, says Saint Lucian, but solution, <laughs> solution for Saint Croix. Is there one? Yeah. So that that's been that's been the uh, we, we've talked a lot about what you know as we get Saint Thomas's uh, you know foundation relative to generation in place that the same exercise uh, needs to be you know conducted in Saint Croix. And we've the, the theme has <laughs> certainly made strides toward that. They've definitely been exploring uh, different because the same inefficiencies. 
that we have on the legacy generation still exists on St. Croix. So obviously being able to improve that efficiency with new generation is key. Um, there are some you know, resources that are being sought out to enable that. Um, it's one of the, one of the key areas of, of support that you know, is still needed. Um, and that is certainly going to be in terms of, there's no clear path in terms of, okay, these units are coming in. We have this much megawatts uh, slated to be installed as of yet on St. Croix, but that is 100% the, um, you know, the path that will be taken because the same foundation of efficient generation is needed on both islands to, again, maximize the benefits of the innovations on the alternative energy front. Question from one of my listeners, a pleasant good morning, Neville. I am curious if another alternative to the WAPA power struggle might be microgrids in villages and communities. What about asking businesses to reduce their power usage at peak times? So, the I, I mentioned earlier the Solar for All EPA uh, grant that we're going for. Mm-hmm. More than half of the funds that we'd be seeking out of that funding source will speak to developing exactly what that um, that question just raised. It is not just looking at residential exclusively. It's looking at the combination of both residential-based solar deployments as well as strategically located um, community solar and community storage infrastructure deployments as well. So looking in looking in, in target areas where we are able to support both critical infrastructure as well as um, you know, disadvantaged communities across the territory, a distribution of um, of, the, of renewable energy resources through the form of, we could call them microgrids, we can, there's a lot of different ways we could call them, but that strategy in, in decentralizing the generation, moving it closer to the actual point of load, um, that's that for us in the Virgin Islands is 100% going to be our, um, our, our future. Uh, because at the end of the day, while we have a, you know, a, we're rebuilding our transmission and distribution infrastructure uh, to be more resilient, part of that resiliency, building upon that resiliency foundation is also moving generation, renewable generation closer to the point of demand. Um, and certainly microgrids enable that. And that's 100% no, no, of focus. No, no, I, you know, when I was in the legislature, this was uh, something that was suggested and Con, uh, conceptually, it's easy to suggest, but then when you commit to this type of infrastructure, don't you have to identify uh, a certain location, factoring in safety for those who live around whatever, wherever you commit to install this infrastructure because microgrid is power and you've got to be careful about con, uh, proximity. Yeah, but, I, but you could, I mean, there's always ways to you know, mitigate, protect, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I mean, a lot of times it's just isolating, right? Just creating a barrier between, obviously if we have a battery array, um, you know, that's like, let's say for, like, I'll give you a perfect example. We just, we just completed the, or we're in the final stages of commissioning the uh, microgrid at the St. Croix educational complex. Uh, you talk about the DOI, that's a, a DOI energizing insular communities um, grant that we just it, it enabled a 125 KW uh, 300 kilowatt hour uh, battery microgrid at that at that school site. What we did in in terms of securing that space is that entire infrastructure, the battery, the solar array, all of the electrical components, they're all 
fenced in on the, the school property, but fenced in and secured to to li- limit access. So, so, so that's not, not a concern. It's not a concern. Like okay. you, just, no, you, just, you just create a barrier. No, no, and, be, yeah. no, no because people funny or no. Remember no, when you want to put up cell phone towers, <laughs> there's a number of us who have uh, who have questioned. Well, we know about that. There radiation. They hear things. Yeah. We, we live in a, a social media era, and people see True. things. And you know, so I just want to you know get that out of the way. So mm-hmm. you're confident that uh, from a protection and mitigation perspective standpoint, if in fact we we're supposed to go that route, um, we will do whatever it takes to protect the community individually and collectively of course and 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 where that also gets layered into because i know one of the the thoughts people might think of like okay post post 2017 you think of what the the uh the duno solar farm was destroyed and had you know obviously created you know debris mm-hmm. one of the things that we look at when we look at um uh the, the one of the benefits of that experience or one of the lessons learned is how to de- develop and deploy these systems more resiliently so we're, we're looking at protection not just of the the, the real time or the routine you know, separation of the from the infrastructure, but also ensuring that systems are built with a uh, with their own level of resiliency. So even in the event of a storm, you know, we're not going to be as concerned relative to uh, the damage the system can uh, incur as well. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, seeing John, uh, when John Grill, um, being on, he was the one who you know got me all excited about the idea of seeing John not having to be dependent on Randolph Harley. When a situation like what took place yesterday morning happened, what going on? Why are you taking so long to put this generator in in Saint John? Yeah, so I think that part of the part of the challenge there has been uh, there's been some uh, I guess changes in the design methodology around that system, which was originally looking at doing a, a, a generator on uh, Saint Thomas, sorry, on Cruz Bay and Coro Bay, so having two uh, distinct generation sites. Um, as 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 that design process has uh, evolved, some of the reconsiderations around how the the actually effectiveness of implementing two sites versus one has kind of come to the table. So it's it's this, there's really been it, progress is being made, but it's really been more along the lines of finalizing the the optimal design. Make that one make that one happen, man. That that one there is a is a is a winner. You know what I'm saying? Look, um, we're joined by. Um, the WAPA CEO and Andy Smith. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, uh, Mr. CEO, and then when we come back, um, we'll have you introduce yourself to the audience and uh, wrap up the conversation. Okay, Mr. CEO? CEO Smith, you there? Good morning, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we're doing is, we'll, good morning, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, um, we'll get you into the conversation in about a couple of minutes. Okay? Looking forward to it. Okay, good. Um, energy office in effect this morning, I mean, the energy, the, the power hour, in effect, with Energy Office Director Kyle Fleming. We'll take a break, and we'll be back right after this. WTJ 
JX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culturman Silcat. Early bird tickets go on sale beginning Monday, October 16th through Tuesday, November 14th. Tickets will be available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255 or 340-690-7293. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, Antilly School, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, and the VI Housing Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. Did you know that Medicare pays for many preventive and wellness services? With Medicare or a Medicare Advantage plan, services are available to prevent or detect illness at an early stage. Screenings and tests are free if your healthcare provider accepts Medicare. Services include a welcome to Medicare preventive visit, exams, shots, lab tests, and screenings. There are also programs for health monitoring, counseling, and education. For more information, contact the Virgin Islands State Health Insurance Assistance Program in the St. Thomas St. John District at 340-774-2991, extension 4507, and the St. Croix District at 340-773-6449, extension 3151 or 3152. Beneficiaries can also call 1-800-633-4227 or visit www.medicare.gov. And we're back here and analyze this, uh, the power hour in effect. Uh, we've been we're joined by um, the WAPA CEO, um, Sir Andrew Smith, as well as the uh, Corporate Communications Director, uh, Ms. Uh, Chanel Peterson. So, um, Mr. M, Mr. Governing Board Chair, you've done all the heavy lifting, so now they're going to come in now to just, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, it's like uh, restrict a plate racing where you cut all the air you, and they draft it, so that's coming, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad the shoulder's strong. That's all. So, so somebody, <laughs> somebody could do that. Uh, good morning, Miss Peterson. Glad to have you in the studio. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, good. And uh, good morning, Mr. CEO. Long time no here. How you been? Good morning, Neville. How are you doing? I'm quite well. Good morning to the listening audience and the WAPA family as well. It sounds like you don't need me because it sounds like Director Fleming handled everything. <laughs> nah, he just laid down the foundation. He did a he did a great job, and uh, we always want to hear from the, the the WAPA CEO. We it's been a, a good a good forty minutes to this point. We heard uh, that um, the white sellers are. Uh, if not in full effect, in tactical effect uh, right now. Is that the case, Mr. CEO? That is, that is correct, Neville. And, and if I can speak a minute about that, you know, we, have, we had an, uh, an island-wide outage uh, night before last on St. Thomas. Um, we about 1.22 in the morning. We had a generator trip. Uh, you know, unacceptable. 
uh, right? Those, those kind of failures, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to the root cause of those as we do our postmortem analysis on that. Those kind of failures are unacceptable. But one of the things, and we can come back and talk about that, that, that the details of that outage, but what I think is really important, if there's a silver lining in that, the word silo generators, which are, are, are very efficient, they're very close to being in full service. In fact, in a matter of a week or so, uh, they'll be fully commissioned. But when we had the outage, uh, we actually, even though the Wurtzillas were not fully commissioned, um, we black started the island with a Wurtzilla, which uh, in the territory had never been done before. And what black start means for the listening audience is that a power plant needs some source of energy to start. And so you have to have, it's kind of like going out and jump-starting your car, right, with your neighbor's, uh, with your neighbor's jumper cables. So we were able to do that with one of the Wurtzillas. And then as we restored service to customers uh, from the outage, we brought three of the four new Wartzillas online to carry the load, and they did so successfully. Uh, so we're really pleased. I mean, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of, you know, testing uh, as we've been getting ready to put them into service. I, I will I will tell you there is nothing better uh, than the test we had yesterday because we, we did it in, in the real world. We did it in real time, and, and they worked as expected. Um, communications Director, uh, good morning once again. Um, St. Thomas, St. John, um, more so than St. Croix, because St. Croix been dealing with it too. Matter of fact, I woke up this morning to one, but it is what it is. Um, you've been making the rounds, um, Ms. Peterson, um, educating the public uh, uh, as to why we had um, rotation of power outages and all that stuff. Um, I heard you on Abdul Ali. I mentioned this to the Energy Office Director a couple of weeks ago. You actually in the show when you got word from um, the technocrats that power had been fully restored uh, in St. Thomas and St. John. That was 13 days ago, a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, how are you making out? And um, what are you hearing um, from the Andy Smiths and the, the technical folk in terms of long-term sustainable power outage free windows here in the Virgin Islands? So last couple of weeks has been um, a very Herculean event, essentially, because we've had several updates just coming in within minutes or within, you know, throughout the day, 24 hours a day. And that was truly one of the challenging things is keeping the community informed as to what was happening, what efforts were being done, and what type of progress we were we were making, and lots was lot was learned over that time period in terms of um, being able to provide more timely updates, such as going on the radio shows and um, keeping the website updated and ensuring that we were informing folks on social media because that's generally where we find a lot more dialogue than um, monologue through the other mediums. So. The good news that we have been sharing in terms of, you know, the silver lining coming out of the activities is being able to educate people about the strategic plan that's in place because a lot of people have been asking, so what's the long term? What's the long term? And it's really driving them to the... Um, 
promotional pieces that we've created around the strategic plan, which entails bringing the Wardzilla fully online, as CEO Smith mentioned, as being very successful this week, and that being part of the solution, educating that once the Wardzillas have been fully commissioned, we're going to see a lot less outages. We'll see a lot more redundancy at the plant, so a lot more backup, essentially, so when power goes down. And then even further long-term, as I heard earlier um, from Director Fleming in regards to the microgrids and the role that microgrids are going to play and the role that the battery energy storage systems are going to play when power is lost at the plant and being able to have that additional redundancy in areas that will be impacted or would be impacted. So a lot of education around the long term from the microgrid side and the renewable energy resources that we're bringing in to the territory, as well as the fact that WAPA has a plan. There is a plan to not only improve efficiency within the plant, but to create a much more resilient grid through the Wardzillas and then um, the plan to instill additional efficient units within the island of St. Croix. Now, um, um, CEO Smith, um, I asked this question of, uh, the the chairman of the board, uh, Agreco, uh, is a is a for the most part uh, a leasing arrangement. What's the long term uh, commitment for St. Croix? Because we know the Watchillas are the deal in St. Thomas and by extension St. John. So the long term plan on St. Croix is to go to owned generation as well. Um, you know, leasing the Agrecos while well, they you know they work for us. They're our most efficient units. Uh, and so we run them and rely on them, uh, you know, for, for that power, but they are expensive to lease versus owning them. And so, you know, we ultimately want to own those assets. Um, you know, quite frankly, one of the things that, that you know, we, we pivoted a little bit with as we worked with, um, you know, our federal partners is we had the VTOL acquisition uh, come up. And so, you know, that obviously is, is huge for the territory. And so we've been very focused on that, but we have not lost focus of looking to acquire generation for St. Croix. In fact, I've got a call, uh, we have a standing call with Virgin Islands Housing Finance Authority a little later this morning, and that's one of the topics that we're going to talk about. So uh, that is absolutely one of our focuses because St. Thomas, with the HUD HUD funded Wartzilla project, their generation uh, mix or footprint is changing dramatically. I would say that the footprint of the mix would not change so much on St. Croix because St. Croix's system is effectively more modern uh, than the St. Thomas system, um, you know, pre the Wartzillas. Uh, but we do want to own the assets rather than lease them because it's just expensive to lease them. Okay, good. What about the workforce? Where, where are we um, in terms of uh, uh, the water and power workforce? Uh, uh, are we at capacity or are we in need of employment? We, we, we're in need of employment, uh, and, and Director Peterson can speak to all the channels where, uh, you know, potential applicants can, can look to apply to WAPA, you know, certainly through our website. Uh, but we have a number of openings and a number of positions that we are looking for, for people. You know, I think one of the things, obviously, WAPA doesn't have a great reputation in the community, but, you know, when I look at all the things that we're doing here, new Wartzilla generation, we're going to buy generation for St. Croix, we've got solar and wind 
projects. Uh, uh, Director Peterson mentioned microgrids, right? I can, I can go down the list of things that, that are going on at WAPA. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff to do here, and I would encourage uh, you know, anybody listening or who have friends listening or family members listening, uh, you know, take a look at our opportunities out there because we are hiring, and I think we have some really interesting things to do. Madam Corporate Communications Director. So to add to the channels that we've been utilizing to get the word out, um, early in August, we held a technical career fair, which really focused on a lot of the positions that are needed to CEO Smith's point when it comes to not just the line workers, but technicians, engineers, operators that can both function at the plant, on the, in the field with all with a lot of these projects. Um, in addition to that, we are constantly promoting through our social media pages and our website, www.viwapa.vi. Individuals who are interested can also simply email careers at viwapa.vi and they can come in contact with our human resources team and get some more information about those positions. Currently, we have just under... I should say just over 40 positions that are open and we have prioritized quite a few of them based on those projects that are in need of project managers and really the list goes on. Um, We also work very closely with the Virgin Islands Department of Labor and they have been very supportive in our events and we continue to um, participate in the career fairs that they host to get the word out. Um, Mr. Chairman, when when I had a sitting in these in these in these board meetings, and you get in the the data, because to me that's what you know should be driving decision making, right? The info, the the, the data that that's in, that's in front of you. What's the what's the what's the collectively based on what you sensing from your fellow board members? What's the biggest needs for the Watan Power Authority? What are you looking for from them right now to kind of get us into leveling off mode instead of this up and down peak and valley, uh, you know? routine that we were going through for so long well i, th- I think to i think to the, the, the point that uh, director peterson touched on before in terms of uh fulfilling the expectations of the strategic plan i think one of the things that we have understood from the board especially with the um, when the new leadership team came in is really kind of looking at the obviously we knew that the financial state of the authority was challenged and, and beleaguered uh but being able to really quantify you talk about the data really being able to quantify our 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 you know the gaps in our cost recovery for the services that we provide um you know our our fuel expenditures uh in terms of really understanding the the granular nature of how how much it's been costing us to to operate this 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 authority um a lot of that expectation and i think we really came down to the point and that's not even layering in the the past debts that we know that we we had so when we really look at the financial foundation that um that the that the authority had been in Realizing that there's only so much expectation you can have in terms of, uh, you know, especially the, the instant gratification and, and rapid fixes that I think the community has been calling for. And so I think in terms of throttling the expectations, in terms of wanting to see the, uh, you know, the, the team really driving us to a point where we're at least breaking even on our, our operational cost and, 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 and intake uh, to, to a point where we can actually start evolving really like when we talked about the innovations earlier in terms of actually being able to really push the envelope and maximize the benefits of these transitions really the, the, the board has understood that we can't 
we, we can't move forward until we get this our financial you know, house in order. And that's where a lot of the expectations. So when we talk about seeing the Wardzillas come to fruition, we know the cost savings that more efficient generation can bring. So we start closing that gap on that, you know, the, the, the cost recovery that we're not uh, typically uh, bring, being able to bring in. We look at the, the billing system and, and highlighting the fact that like at the end of the day, if we're not able to accurately bill and collect, all of this effort is going to be for naught. So being able to see progress be made on uh, on, the, on a, a permanent solution to our billing and collection uh, workflows and, and processes and infrastructure, all of those are the areas where the board is highlighting the importance and, and understands the importance of being able to operate an actual economically sustainable authority to really see the true benefits um, be materialized throughout the community. Um, Mr. CEO, what's the deal with seeing John on the generator for seeing John? So we, we are actually working on some, doing some engineering analysis on that now. Um, one of the things that we looked at, and this was going back a few months, the, the design and the technology that was originally selected uh, for St. John had some really material logistics challenges to get the two generators where they were where they were going to be situated. Um, just to, to get a little bit into that, the, the generators that had been selected, this was all done a couple of years ago, the generators that were identified as being the right solution, for example, have limitations on how much they can be tilted when you move them, kind of like a pinball machine for some of our listeners who remember pinball machines, right? You, you can't lean them too much. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look at the roads on St. John and where that generator would have to be moved to get into place, there were roads that exceeded that tilt. So you you would then start looking at, well, do we have to do temporary, you know, like regrading of those roads with soil or gravel or whatever it might be? And, and I could go down a long list of challenges with getting the generators that have been identified on site. And so the, the general plan is unchanged. The one thing that we have shifted is the actual generator technology that we would look to use. And I would actually, you know, say that the generator technology that we're looking to use, I believe will, will actually, you know, we can get that in service quicker than the technology that had originally been, been selected because it actually has less what we call balance of plant in the industry. It has less sort of infrastructure that has to go around it. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the machines we're looking at, you know, it's on a semi-trailer, right? And, and you know, not to, to guess we're just coming out of storm, so well, we're still in storm season, but coming out of the peak, you know, it's hurricane ready. I mean, it's not like just a, a truck sitting out there, but it's very mobile is the point of that. So much easier to get into position. So we're looking forward to advancing that. And I, I think we have a solution that's actually going to be in place quicker than what the legacy the legacy technology that had been identified was. Okay, good. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to come back, wrap up this conversation. I want to talk about the water uh, infrastructure projects quickly and um, the Brungwater concerns. Um, sargasm potential uh, real quickly and then uh, bring in our 9 o'clock guest at about 9.10. Okay, so we'll take a break. I'll be back uh, a little a little bonus for the power hour. Uh, we got the energy office director, the WAPA CEO, and this corporate communications director for the Water and Power Authority here with us this morning. Be back right after this.
The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where we're not just interested in what's going on in the world, but why it's happening and how. Details are important. So are different points of view. We're dedicated to bringing you the stories behind the big events and the small ones, too. Join us every Sunday morning for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. News happens all week, all around the world. If you want to understand what this French election is all about... Four candidates are running unopposed, and three of them met reporters Thursday. Whatever the outcome of today's elections, the secessionist genie is out of the bottle. News, analysis, perspective, music, books, and sports, too. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.